This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, let me take you back to the Second World War, when OSS officers went behind enemy lines to disrupt the war efforts of Nazi Germany. Think how brave these people were, not knowing from one minute to the next whether they'd be discovered and then summarily shot or, sometimes worse, be subjected to terrible torture at the hands of the SS. Cloak and Dagger was the NBC radio series of foreign intrigue adventure adapted from the book Cloak and Dagger by Corey Ford. Cloak and Dagger was broadcast from May 7th to October 22nd of 1950, with the cast that included Raymond Edgar Johnson, Everett Sloan, and Jackson Beck. Scriptwriter Willis Cooper directed the series with research support provided by Percy Hoskins, who is a British journalist, crime reporter, and author. Now, stories in Cloak and Dagger came right out of Washington files of the Office of Strategic Services, OSS. A 1950 newspaper article commented that the stories dramatized each week are true, and yet as fantastic as any fiction writer might be able to dream up. Tonight, we hear about an officer who visits a cabaret and is trying to recruit a singer to become a spy for the Allies. Are you willing to undertake a dangerous mission behind the enemy lines, knowing you may never return alive? What you have just heard is the question asked during the war to agents of the OSS, ordinary citizens who to this question answered, yes. This is Cloak and Dagger. Black Warfare. Espionage, international intrigue. These are the weapons of the OSS. Today's story, The Trojan Horse, is suggested by actual incidents recorded in the Washington files of the Office of Strategic Services. A story that can now be told. August 1942. Report to OSS headquarters in Casablanca from Agent Henri Fontaine in France. Contact with girl Gabrielle Monet was made in the Bluebeard Cafe in Paris. I went there alone on the evening of the 15th. I sent her a note with a waiter asking her to come to my table when she'd finished her song. Then I sat and waited. German officers were spread about the room as they were spread about all of occupied France. 
<laughs> I wondered what they would say if they knew why I had come. You send me this note, eh? Oui, mademoiselle. Will you join me? Why not? I drink with anyone these days. What will you have, eh? What have you? Let me taste from your glass. It is very bad wine. Huh? <laughs> you are right. Oh, the only time a girl may get good wine nowadays is when she drinks with the Bosch. Ah, never mind, I'm not thirsty. I enjoyed your song. Is that what you wanted to tell me? I think you are wasting your time here in Paris. Ah, Paris is wasting our time on Paris these days. I can offer you a better position in Casablanca. What did you say? Who are you? My name is Henri Fontaine. I too have a good position with the American OSS in North Africa. What are you saying? Before the Germans came to France, I was a poor poet. They did me a service. Now I'm a rich spy. You sit here in a room full of Germans and tell me this? What makes you think I will believe you? What makes you think I won't turn you over to the Germans if I do, huh? <laughs> Mademoiselle, I am not such a brave man. Neither am I a fool. We have kept you under observation for months. We know you better than you know yourself. Is there anything you'd like to know about yourself? What do you want of me? On our side, we have only the very best. Forgerers, counterfeiters, cutthroats, and uh, spies. <laughs> Will you join us? Ah, uh, just tell me what you want me to do. Agent Henri Fontaine in France to Agent Steve Lytel in Casablanca. Arrangements have been made to transport the girl Gabrielle Monet to the south of France and then to Casablanca. Awaiting further instructions. Over. Bonjour. The roses will bloom early this year, I think. Oui, but uh, not too early, I hope. Good, good. I've been waiting for you. It is dark. I can't see you well. Is the girl with you? She is here. Gabby, say something so our friend will know you are here. I am tired. <laughs> Did you have difficulty reaching my safe in Paris? Uh, not too much. With swarms of displaced persons all over France to mingle with. And a slight bit of help along the way from the underground. It, it was not too bad. Good, good. Now follow me. I will take you to the fishing school. But I'm I know, so... I know you're tired. Cheer up, Gabby. You'll have a nice long trip by water to rest up. Oh. And then another nice long trip by auto to oh. Casablanca. Oh, I like automobiles. In the old days, I like nothing better than a, a pleasant ride.
But Gabi did not like the automobile trip to Casablanca. It was probably nothing like the old days. I drove up front alone while she was fitted in the trunk of the car behind gasoline drums. <laughs> there were gunny sacks in a Moroccan rug thrown over her. Across everything, a heavy canvas cover lashed down with just enough air left for her to breathe. We drove that way over rough roads for several hours. When it got dark, I pulled over to a side lane and let her out. Gabby, come out, come out. Oh, oh, my back. It is broken. Oh. I, I will gladly uh, massage it for you. Uh, you are too kind. Not at all. No, thank you. Pity. Why did we stop? To give you a chance to uh, stretch your legs. And a cigarette, if oh. you want one. Oh, I would die for one. Give, 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 give. I have one lit here. Ah. Uh. Oh, mille merci. You see? I try to be gentle. <laughs> I try to make up for the inconvenience I am causing uh, you. Ah, ça c'est drôle. I remember what another poet once said. A German, by the way, but uh, not a Nazi. His name was Goethe. What did he say? He said, be gentle with women. Remember, they were made from a broken rib. <laughs> I am not amused. I'm sorry. You are always smiling. Do you enjoy the war, huh? I am a poet. There is poetic excitement in being behind the lines, working underground. I enjoy being a spy. Well, I am no matter Harry. You will do. You still have told me nothing. Why did they send for me? You remember a German named Paul Vogel? Paul? What do you know of him? Tell me. Not now. The time is late. But I must Throw know. away your cigarette. Why did you mention I his... said later. We have a long journey ahead. If we pass the border post, I will tell you. If we do not, <laughs> the words and minutes would only be wasted. Altelat! I thought I would never reach the border. It's been a long trip. Where are you headed? Casablanca. Do you anything to declare? No, nothing. Let me see your passport. Here you are. All of a sudden, I spotted a small black dog sniffing and whining at the trunk of the car where Gabrielle was hidden. The customs officer had not noticed him, and I knew I had to find some way to keep him from noticing. Ah! One becomes stiff after so long a ride. While he looked over my passport, I went to the rear of the car, picked up the dog by the scruff of the neck, and uh, started to pet him. Well, your, your passport seems to be in order, but what's the matter with Jeff? <laughs> Nothing. Perhaps he does not like to be picked up. No. If he oh. did, he wouldn't try to bite you. Better put him down. sniffing around that trunk. I felt like strangling that cute little black puppy. Well, put him down. I, uh, I have taken a fancy to him. Um, how do you feel about selling him to me, eh? Huh? Well, I 
you, you, you are serious, monsieur? Oui, I like him. Come, come, how much, eh? Oh, take him. There are two more like him around somewhere. Uh, thank you. He will liven up the journey. Wait. Huh? Before you go. Yes? What is in your trunk? Huh? I said what is in your trunk. Let me put the dog in the car and then I will show you. The trunk. I will show you. You see? Gasoline drums. Yes, I see. Very well. Close the trunk. I may go? Of course. Thank you again for Joff. August 27th, 1942. Report to OSS headquarters in Washington from Agent Steve Lytell in Casablanca. Fontaine and the girl arrived. I knew as soon as she walked in that Paul Vogel could not have forgotten her. I only hoped her memories of him weren't too strong. Now, as you know, Miss Monet, this is an international zone. We are, in effect, neutrals. In Casablanca, we pass each other in the streets. Germans, Americans, Vichy, and Free French. You can imagine what a hotbed of international intrigue we have here. Oh, I, I know nothing of that kind of intrigue. Then perhaps we can broaden your horizon. Hold it, Henri. Now listen to me, Yabby. The head of the German Armistice Commission in Casablanca is a man named Paul Vogel. Does that name mean anything to you? We knew each other once. Before the war. Knew each other. He was an attaché to the German consulate in Paris. You almost married him once, isn't that so? That is my business. I'm afraid we've made it our business. Now, Gabby, we've kept close watch on you these past months, and we're sure that you're no Nazi or Vichy sympathizer. Oh, I hate them all for what they are doing to France. But Vogel, what are your feelings toward I, him? Well, I haven't seen him in years. That's not answering my question. If he is a Nazi, I have no feelings toward him. All right, then. Now, the open secret here in North Africa is the planned American invasion. The closed secret is where and when. Now, that's what Paul Vogel wants to find out for German headquarters. I still don't understand what I... You're to tell him, Cherie. What? Henri's right. You're to take up this friendship with him once more. Give him all the information he wants. You'll get it direct from us. What? Now, rest assured, it'll be the wrong information. You understand now? Uh, I'm beginning to. Good. We have a job for you at the Three Lanterns Cafe. Now, starting tomorrow. Agent Henri Fontaine and I were at the Three Lanterns Cafe the next night when Gabrielle opened there. The cafe was packed, but even the crowd around the bar. Officers with ribbon chests, waterfront riffraff, and black marketeers, all of them were quiet when she sang. She was wearing a red dress. In the spotlight, her face looked smaller and whiter, and her hair looked blacker. There wasn't a man in the room who could take his eyes off her. I wondered how soon it would be before Paul Vogel came in and saw her, too. Yeah, a girl like that could make you forget the war, right, Steve? I've got a wife back in Syracuse. <laughs> can she wear red like that? My wife can be trusted. 
And this girl? She and Bobo were pretty close in the old days. I know my own kind. She can be trusted. I hope you're right. The success of the whole American invasion may hinge on it. A lot depends on how hard Vogel falls for that little bait up there on the bandstand. Steve, hmm? Vogel, he's just come in. That's all I wanted to see. Come on, let's get out of here. Hey, excuse us, sir. Pardon? Pardon? This table is free, waiter. It will do. Oui, Vogel. You wish to see the wine list? Oh, I... That girl. How long has she been here? Uh, the singer, you mean? She started only tonight. Tell her to come to this table when she's finished. <laughs> you understand? We oui, I understand. No, you don't. You only think you do. Go tell her what I said. And bring a bottle of your best wine. It was you, Paul, when the waiter came to me. <laughs> How like you to walk back into my life so quietly after making so violent an exit. Ah, the world is small after all, Gabby. I'm amazed to find you in Casablanca. I can say the same of you. What are you doing here? I arrived here a few days ago, but I've been in North Africa for months. Tangier, Oran, Tunis, singing... How were you able to leave France yeah. after the occupation? You should know how well I always got along with Germans. Hmm. You don't seem angry with me any longer, Liebchen. After that last time, six years ago... Uh, life is too short to be angry for too long at anyone. <laughs> Besides, I was a fool to have been jealous over that silly blonde with the bad legs. I've even forgotten her name. Suzanne. Uh-huh. I see you have not forgotten. <laughs> oh, it's our wine. Gabby, how good it is to be with you again. How good it is to be with you, Paul. Ah. For you? For me. Now, we will drink to what is to be, Liebchen. could have no better guide through Casablanca than I, Gabby. Come, what else would you like me to buy you from the marketplace? A scarf, perhaps? A gold scarf to put around your hair, yeah. Have you taken many girls to the marketplace, oh. huh? <laughs> Will you be forever jealous of me, Liebling? What is it, the French in you? Ah, it is the woman in me. <laughs> I imagine you are in great demand by the women here. The chief of the German Armistice Commission. How did you know that? I know more than you think. Oh? Would it interest you to know the name of one of the most important American agents in North Africa? Who? Steve Lytell. What do you know of him? I know him. And he knows the details of the planned American invasion. Come. I will buy you a gold scarf. Well, have you nothing to say of what I just told you? I knew that already. I, too, have agents. However... Thank you for telling me. 
I can promise you more than a gold scarf if you find out additional information for me. Is this possible? It might be. Very possible. Agent Lytell in Casablanca to OSS in Washington. The girl, Gabrielle Monet, has been in the paid employ of the German government here for several weeks, according to our plan, and we'll transmit to them the Dakar Cover Project. September 1942. Report to OSS headquarters from Agent Monet. I had a feeling that things were going too smoothly. I seemed to be holding my breath, waiting for something to go wrong. And on the night of the 29th, it did. Paul Vogel was in my room above the cafe. We were listening to my record of our favorite song. have to go soon. It is late. Forget the time. Who would think it would come to this again, After that day in Paris, when we quarreled so. I remember that day. We showed poor judgment to argue out of doors. It was raining. I got a terrible cold in the nose. Poor Gabby. Let me kiss that poor nose. Oh, Paul, you really must go. But before you do, I, I have a paper for you in my purse. Dates when high officials will be in Casablanca. Stay I'll get it moment. for you. I want to talk to you. you you're hurting my arm. Let Germany me go, Paul. is paying you well for this information you are giving Paul, us. I know, Paul, please. Some of it is useful information, but none of it uh, is as important as I would like. I will try to do better. You had better do better. You know what would happen, Gabi. If I found out you were crossing me... I would not cross you. It is nothing oh, for me to my... twist your arm oh. like this. Such a small arm. Think what I could do if I really tried to hurt you. You hurt me now because you don't trust me. What do you want? You claim to know this American like that. I do. You claim you get your information from I him. Do. Is that all he gives you? What about his love? Oh. Does he give you that too? Paul... The shoe is on the other foot. Now it is you who are jealous. <laughs> oh, how foolish of you. Think. Would I lie to you? Coming. Coming. Oh, coming. If you ever lie to me, I... I would rather see you dead at my feet than standing looking at me and lying. You hear what I say? Yes. Yes, I hear. I hear. No more wine. 
I must keep my head clear to think of what you have just told me. Now are you satisfied that I'm earning my money? Mm-hmm. Dakar. So the Americans will land in a few weeks at Dakar. Very likely. Very likely. Dakar is strategically important. It will be more important if the German fleet is there to stop the invasion. Yeah, yeah. That bungled attempt at a landing under de Gaulle's leadership failed, so the Americans probably figure we would not dream that they would try it again in the same place. (laughs) One American, Steve Lytell, does not dream you know this. Hmm. Are you going to tell German headquarters? But of course, this is something they will want to know. Believes it, Steve. Every word of it. Good. The German fleet is being sent to stop the invasion at Dakar. Good, Gabby. Good work. Steve, radio report. Justin from Gibraltar. What is it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me tell it, Joff. General Clark will rendezvous on October 21st at Point Agreed near Algiers. You know what that means? Final preparations for the Iran invasion. Nothing must go wrong now. Nothing. November 4, 1942. Something very wrong happened. Paul came to my room just before I was ready to go downstairs to the cafe. Paul! Gabby, your friend Lytell has been playing you for a fool. Do you hear what I say? I don't understand. The invasion is not the car. I just learned myself it's to be Oran. Oran! The German fleet, on my suggestion, is waiting in Dakar for oh, nothing. Paul. And will continue to wait Paul, for nothing. Paul, it can't Do you know be. what this will mean to me? Do you realize what the high command will do to me for please, this? Please, please, Paul. Ruin. Perhaps, perhaps your latest information was wrong about Oran. No, 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 no. It all ties in. They, the Americans, wanted me to believe Gabby, what had you to do with this? Now what are you saying? I'm getting tired of your suspicions. One day you trust me, the next day you don't. You're French? What kind of French? Instead of questions, ask yourself this. Would I betray you, Paul? Not Germany, but you think. Look at me. Look at your Gabby and Elsa. I... I... No, of course not. Not you... You wouldn't dare. There may still be time to stop the Americans at Oran. I must get back to headquarters and let them know by radio. I should have done that right away instead of coming here. Oh, have a drink first. No, no, uh, later. I'll be back It will not be easy for you to tell the high command this. A drink will fortify you. Mm. Yes. Perhaps. Perhaps you're right. One drink, then. <laughs> sat on the edge of the couch, his head in his hands. I remember thinking how very blonde was his hair, how large his hands. It was not difficult for me to drop half the L tablet from my purse into his glass as I poured the liquor over it. Here you are. Poor Paul. Poor Petit. You look so tired. Drink. Where are you going? You put on the record you like. 
We've played it so often lately, Paul, that one of these days it will just rise up in protest. <laughs> You're tired? Uh, no. No, why should I be tired? I must. No, no. I've had my drink. Hear my record through, then you will go. No. No, now. I must. Go now. You're so good to me, Carmen. You love me. You love me very much. His head had fallen on his arms and rested on the table. The tablet had begun to work as I knew it would. I got the automatic pistol that had been given to me by the Americans and... shot him twice through his very blonde head. Report from Agent Gabriel Monet. Well, it ought to come any minute now. News of the invasion. I've had word that Eisenhower and Clark were in Gibraltar on November the 8th. I'll let you both know as soon as something comes through on the radio. Are you all right, Debbie? <laughs> Me, don't concern yourself. You did what you had to do. It took courage. Well, if I had thought about it longer, perhaps I would not have had the courage. You cannot know. I think I do. He meant a great deal to me. A long time ago. I killed him. Listen to me. I told you something once that the poet Goethe said. He also said this. Give up what perished long ago. And let us love what's living. Do you hear, Gabby? Do you hear? That's the code name. Robert's arrived. The invasion's begun. Do you hear? Did you hear, Gabby? Did you? Yes. Yes. Yes, I heard. And once again, the report of an OSS agent is closed with the words... Mission accomplished. A further adventure in black warfare is next week's... Cloak and Dagger. Heard in today's story were Jane White, Barry Kruger, Leon Janney, Joseph Julian, Carl Weber, Raymond Edward Johnson, Guy Sorrell, and Bernie Gould. Script was by Winifred Wolfe. Music under the direction of John Gart. Today's true OSS adventure was based on the book Cloak and Dagger by Corey Ford and Alistair McBain. This has been a Lewis G. Cowan production under the supervision and direction of Sherman Marks. Stay tuned for The Jack Benny Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Jack Benny Show, where Jack is trying to get away on a vacation without taking Polly the parrot. And Polly is, how shall we say, P.O.'d.
Track program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Lewis. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight Jack Benny does his television show with his special guests, Irene Dunn, Vincent Price, and Gregory Rathaw. But first, let's go out to Jack's house in Beverly Hills. Our little star has decided to spend a couple of weeks in Palm Springs. So just as soon as he finishes breakfast, he's going to start packing. Ah, that was a good breakfast. How about a little more coffee, Rochester? No, thanks. I had enough. <laughs> I meant me. Oh, oh! Yes, oh, oh. Here you are. On second thought, Roger, I don't think I want any more. And anyway, it's about time we started packing. Yes, sir. And Rochester, not a word about our going to Palm Springs in front of Polly. You know how upset that parrot gets when she knows we're going away and not taking her with us. Yeah. Let's go in the other room and get started. <coughs> oh, hello, Polly. <coughs> hello, hello. <coughs> well, boss, I better get out the bag and... <coughs> bag? Rochester. Huh? Oh, 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 yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to get out the bag and put it in the vacuum cleaner and uh, uh, clean up your room. Oh, yes, yes. The bag for the vacuum cleaner. And when the bag is full, we can start for B-A-L-M-S-P-R-I-N-G-S. B-A-L-M-S-P-R-I-N-G-S. Vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Polly. That's spelled vacuum cleaner. Come on, Rochester. We better go in my room and, and start packing. Huh? Yes, sir. I'm sorry, Polly, but you can't come in the room with us. All right, all right. Don't get excited. Rochester, Polly doesn't want to be left alone. We better take her to my room, too. But, boss, she'll see us take your suits out of the closet and your shirts out of the drawers. She'll just think we're straightening up the room. Go ahead, bring her in. Okay. Come on, Polly. Bring her in, bring her in. <laughs> now, Rochester, take my blue suit, my gray suit, my tweed out of the closet. Huh? But, boss, a tweed suit is much too heavy for P-A-L-M-S-P-R-I-N-G-S. P-A-L-M-S-P-R-I-N-G-S. Vacuum cleaner. <laughs> well, okay, never mind the tweed. Uh, by the way, boss, are you going to stay at the same place you did last time? Certainly. Then I better keep these things together. Bathrobe, slippers, and flashlight. <laughs> Rochester, it's inside now. <laughs> Thank goodness. Once you stay at the place where we had to pack a bicycle. <laughs> Rochester, for your information, they don't have any more places like that in P-A-L-M-S-P-R-I-N-G-S. P-A-L-M-S-P-R-I-N-G-S. Vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Well, Rochester, I guess we got everything I'll need. I'll get the phone. I'll take Polly with me. Come on, Polly. Daddy has to answer the phone. Quiet, Polly. Hello? Hello, Jack. This is Mary. Oh, what is it, Mary? Uh, Jack, on your way over to pick me up, would you stop off at the store and get me a bottle of suntan oil? What do you mean, stop off at the store? I'm bringing enough suntan oil for everybody. I know, but you don't give green stamps. <laughs> I wasn't going to charge you for the oil. I was going to give it to you. When I bought it, the company guaranteed its quality. I know, Jack, but after it's been in your crankcase for 10,000 miles, it loses something. 
Okay, I was just trying to do you a favor. Anyway, I'll pick you up in a little while. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, boss, I've got everything ready. Shall I close it up? No, no, I want to check it first, see if I didn't forget anything. <laughs> now, Polly, you can't come into my room this time. <laughs> Look, Polly, if you're lonesome, Daddy will turn on the radio for you. I'll get you some music. <laughs> Good enough. You'll like this, Polly. I'll be back soon. This musical program is brought to you by the Palm Springs Biltmore Hotel, which is situated in the heart of the desert at the foot of the San Jacinto Mountains. For further information about our rates and facilities, just drop a postcard to the Biltmore Hotel in Palm Springs. P-A-L-M-S-P-R-I-N-G-S, Palm Springs. We will now continue with more musical selection. P-A-L-M-S-P-R-I-N-G-S, Palm Springs. Palm Springs! Polly! Polly, what's wrong? Palm Springs, P-A-L-M-S-P-R-I-N-G-S. Polly! Polly, quiet! Quiet! Rochester, close the suitcase so we can get going. Bob Springs. Now, now, Polly, you can't go in that seven. Rochester, take her in the other room. Getting more human every day. Come in. Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Well, Dennis, it's about time you got here. Well, Dennis, are you all set for Palm Springs? Well, I came over to tell you I can't leave today. I have to go have a tooth pulled. A tooth pulled? Oh, that's a shame. Does it have a cavity? No. Well, does it ache? No. Let me see. Which tooth is it? The one on my watch chain. I got thrown out of the Elks. <laughs> Dennis, stop being silly, and I want you to leave for Palm Springs today, so go home and pack. Okay. Well, say, Mr. Benny, is it all right if I take my mother to Palm Springs with me? Well... She's already bought a French bathing suit. Your mother? Well, that's ridiculous. Oh, no, it isn't. This morning she tried it on and my father said she really looked French. Really? Yeah. Mr. Benny, who's General de Gaulle? <laughs> Dennis, go home and pack. Don't you want to hear my song first? Yes, yes. Let's hear the song. Compare, se vuelve fisano cuando es para ti. Mi cantar, hecho de fantasía. Mi cantar, flor de melancolía. Tomorrow, the 
suave fragancia que le dieran marco a la virgen morena. Dennis, you know, they'll love it in Palm Springs. Thank you. Now, Dennis, when you go there, be sure to stay on Highway 99 so you won't get lost. Oh, I'm not driving down. Oh. You're taking the bus? No. (laughs) The train? No. Are you flying? No. Well, goodbye, Dennis. Goodbye. I guess it's better not to know how he's getting there than to ask him and spoil my whole vacation. <laughs> now, let's see. Well, boss, I've got all the luggage in the car. Good. Come on. Let's go. Are you sure all the lights are off and the doors are locked, Rochester? Yes, sir. Good. Okay, start the car. Okay. Never mind, try the motor again, will you? Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, the motor sounds as though it's going from bad to worse. Sounds like it's going from here to eternity. <laughs> Rochester, don't be funny. Try it once more. Okay. Motor's not even catching. Maybe the battery's dead. Can't be that, Mr. Billy. I put a new battery in yesterday. A new battery? How much did it cost? Nothing. I got it out of your flashlight. (laughs) Try it once more. There you are, Rochester. The motor's going. Back the car out of the garage. Well, that crowd gets out of the way. <laughs> All right, folks, break it up, break it up. <laughs> beat it, beat it. Why do they always gather when we try to start the car? You can go, Rochester, they've gone now. <laughs> Oh, 
Rochester, there's Miss Livingston's house. Put on the brake. That's good, Rochester. You stop right in front of the house. Yeah, and only took us once around the block to do it. I know. Now, keep the motor running. I'll go get Miss Livingston. Hello, Jack. I'm all ready. Good, Mary. I'll help you with your bags. Thank you. Here they are. Say, Mary, what beautiful luggage. Where'd you get it? I bought it. Last week, I got $200 on a quiz program. No kidding. On a quiz program? Uh Uh-huh. I was picked out of the whole studio audience because I work for you. Uh Uh-huh. You see, Mary? Doesn't hurt being on my program. What question did you have to answer for them to give you $200? No question. They just felt sorry for me. (laughs) Hmm. The Heartline call with food for a month. Oh, don't be so funny. Now, come on, Mary. Let's go. Okay. Let me lock the door, will you? Rochester, put Miss Livingston's bags in the car, will you? Yes, sir. Now, let's see. Where can I put them? Jack, you're only going to be away for two weeks. Why have you got all that luggage piled on top of the car? That isn't luggage, Mary. And what is it? A tent will have to camp twice between here and Palm Springs. <laughs> oh, stop, Rochester. That's not why we're carrying it. Then why are you carrying it? The tent? Never mind. Now, Rochester, are we ready to go? Yes, sir. I put Miss Livingston's luggage in the trunk. Let's relax and have a pleasant drive. Rochester, turn on the radio, will you please? Yes, ma'am. Remember, folks, there are only 14 more shopping days till Christmas. And as our holiday special, we are currently featuring a platinum necklace with a four-carat diamond pendant for only (laughs) $9,500. This can be purchased on our easy layaway plan of only $1 down and $1 a week until they lay you away. (laughs) And now back to the musical portion of our program. For our next number, we will hear the Sportsman Quartet. We were supposed to have the ink spots, but we felt sorry for the sportsmen. Why do they feel sorry for everybody who works for me? The next number will be a compadre. <laughs> song, Mary. I wonder what the words mean. Here's the meaning, if there is any. Puff-a-lucky with Mr. Benny. Be happy-go-lucky and fly the lucky. A lucky strike, smoke I like. There's never a puff, there's never a yellow to say with a great. Our musicians are really for us. We pay them a lucky. For every chorus, 
know what they're saying Now as they're playing It's lucky strike The smoke we like There's never a puff There's never a puff The better taste They all agree Now it's a semi-fet Now it's a semi-fet making pretty good time today. You're right, Miss Livingston. We just passed through Pasadena. Gosh, I wonder why the traffic is so thick. It's people still coming home from last year's Rose Bowl game. <laughs> last year's Rose Bowl game. Mary, stop making up such ridiculous things. On Wisconsin, on I thought you were making it up. <laughs> you know, Mary, sometimes I think... Excuse that... me, Mr. Billings. What is it, Rochester? We're getting kind of low on gas. We are? We're pulling that gas station on the corner there. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. Can I help you? <laughs> yes, uh, we'd like some gas. Uh, yes, sir. Would you like regular or ethyl? Hmm, let me see. <laughs> I wonder what would be best for this car. Blood. <laughs> Mary, please. I'll take the regular. Fill it up? Well, no, no, no. Put in about three gallons. For heaven's sake, Jack, why don't you fill it up? Mary, three is enough. But you'll have to stop at another gas station for more. Now, why don't you fill it up? Well, all right. Fill it up, mister. Oh, boy, wait till I tell the boys at the lodge about this. <laughs> Never mind, Rochester. Go ahead and fill the tank, mister. Yes, sir. Jack. What do you plan on doing in Palm Springs? Well, I think I'll just rest, relax, and one, have a good time. I'm going to take a dip in the two swimming pool every morning and then play a round of three golf afterwards. That way I'll get plenty of four sun. And in the afternoons, I'll just relax and five, rest till dinner time. There's so many good places to six, eat in Palm Springs, like the Dunes Dollhouse and down the beach seven comers and lots of others. Some nights I may go on eight and... For heaven's sake, that's enough gas. Stop already. Gee, whiz. Okay, mister, now I'll check your oil and tires. Good. Hey, mister, do you know you got a big hole in your right rear tire? I know, I know. Well, how come it doesn't go flat? Because the tire was filled up in Los Angeles. Well, what's that got to do with it? The smog is too thick to leak out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, mister, I can sell you a new set of tires. Very reasonable. Not right now. You see, they're making so many improvements in tires these days. I'll wait a little while longer. Well, I've got the latest thing right here. Tubeless tires. We're way ahead of that. We got tires, too. <laughs> Never mind, Rochester. Just check the oil, mister. Yes, sir. Well, the oil is okay, but I noticed the pulley on your generator is cracked. Now, you better get a new one or you'll have lots of trouble. Well, okay, put one in. Well, I'm sorry, but we don't have any parts for this car. Oh. Well, is there a Maxwell dealer in this town? <laughs> yeah. Where? In the cemetery. <laughs> Well, 
It'll be all right. Now, how much do I owe? What's that? I owe Silver! <laughs> hey, that's how Dennis is going to palm <laughs> Well, what do you know? Say, mister, how much do I owe you? Uh, that's $2.50. Okay, I'll... Hey, uh... wait a minute, mister. Huh? I just recognized you. Ain't you Jack Bunny? Yes, yes, I am. Gee, Mr. Benny, what a pleasure meeting you. How I love you in the movies. You do? Yeah, I think you was wonderful in To Be or Not To Be, Charlie's Aunt, George Washington Slept Here, and Quo Vadis. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, now, you say the gas was two and a half dollars? Uh-huh. Oh, Have excuse you... me, Mr. Benny, here comes another customer. Yes, sir, what can I do for you? Fill it up. Well, Bob! Why, Jack, hi. Hello, Mary. Hi, Rod. Hello, Bob. Hello, Mr. Crosby. Excuse me, mister. You want regular or Ethel? Ethel, please. <laughs> Gosh, Bob, isn't it a coincidence? We're all on our way to Palm One Springs, and we needed the same gas to save... Yes! Stop counting. It's Bob's car. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Gee, Bob, it's a shame that you have to make the drive all alone. I'm not alone. Huh? Oh, look in the back, don't you see? Remley, Kimmick, and Bagby, they're laying there. <laughs> oh. See, this car is that new Hudson, the kind you fall down into. I know, I know. Huh? Bob, you only mentioned Remley, Kimmick, and Bagby. Isn't Sammy the drummer coming to Palm Springs? Well, Sammy's coming, sure, but not until just before we do our broadcast there. See, he hates the sun. Why? Well, you know how bald Sammy is, and he doesn't like his scalp to get sunburned. Well, uh, can't he wear a hat? Oh, no. If he covered his head, he'd lose the $50 a week a distillery pays him. A distillery? A distillery pays him $50 a week not to cover his head? Yeah. They've got Don't Be Vague, Say Hagen Hag painted up there. <laughs> Well, they couldn't have picked a better head than Sammy's. It's shaped like a pinch bottle. Bob, Bob, you know, this is none of my business, really, but if the boys in the band are such a bunch of hoodlums, why don't you get rid of them? Funny, Mary, I asked Bob the same thing last week, and he told me that their private lives are their own business. That's right, Mary, and these boys have a lot of experience. Yeah. Bob told me that his boy spent two years with Wayne King. No, no, Jack, not Wayne King, Waste King. They used to install him. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. By the way, Bob, how come your wife isn't coming to the Springs with you? Oh, she'll be up for the weekend, Mary. She's bringing the kids. All five of them? Yeah, all five, and the maid and the cook, too. But won't it be hard finding hotel reservations for that many people? Oh, I don't have to worry about that. Jack's renting me a tent. <laughs> All right, Mary, now you know. Are you happy? <laughs> Come on, Rochester, let's go. Yes, sir. See you in Palm Springs, Bob. Bye, bye, Mary. Bye, bye Bob. <laughs> Rochester, make this right turn here. What? Mr. Benny, we should go straight ahead. Rochester's right, Jack. This isn't the way to Palm Springs. Look, Mary, I know a shortcut. Rochester, turn here. Yes, sir. Jack, 
Are you sure this shortcut takes us to Palm Springs? Of course I'm sure. But, Mr. Benny, we've been driving three hours since we left the gas station. Yeah, and it's getting dark. We should have been in Palm Springs long ago. Mary, I know what I'm doing. I've taken this road many times. And see, see, we're in the desert. See the sand? Yeah, and I see the sign, too. Laguna Beach. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake. Rochester, you must have made a wrong turn. Now go back to the main highway. Jack! Jack, look up in the air. Where? It's only a bird. B-A-L-M-S-P-R-I-N-G-S. Well, what do you know? She's following us to Palm Springs. Hello, Carly. Ladies and gentlemen, I will be back in a minute to tell you about my television show, which goes out immediately after this program on the CBS Network. Ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned before, in just 30 seconds, I will be doing my television show over the CBS network, and I will have as my guests Irene Dunn, Vincent Price, and Gregory Ratoff. Tonight, folks, see you in 30 seconds. Benny Show tonight was written by Milt Josephsberg, John Tackerberry, Hal Goldman, Al Gordon, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. Be sure to hear The American Way with Horace Height for Lucky Strike every Thursday over this same station. Consult your newspaper for the time. The Jack Benny Program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dimension X, followed by my friend Irma. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust, next on Zuma Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.